0: Hello, and welcome to Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 131. We will quickly be getting into the Eddas again. Just a little bit of station news. I wanted to remind anybody, if you want to read science fiction books, you can do that, and you can buy them at Amazon, and you can buy them from Stephen Oaks. Just search Stephen Oaks, or even better, go to the show notes, and there's a link to his store page. If you want to read a book I wrote, you can also do that. It's called Lightbringer, also on Amazon. Um, I think that's it for the advertisements. Uh, Yeah, so I'm just going to go ahead and jump in today's topic, which will be continuing the Eddas. I think I've said before this is a pretty long series, and I'm just reiterating that because I am on page 18 out of... How many pages there are? Like 200 some. Uh, Yeah, so kind of going to be here a while. Uh, hopefully everybody's liking this series because I don't feel like it's just reading the Eddas. It's giving me an excuse to come up with ideas of things that are probably pertinent to the lore because they're in the lore. So, anyway, I I've been really enjoying this series. I hope somebody I hope everyone else is getting something out of it. But without further ado, let's just go ahead and jump in. Now, I may have read this last time, so we may go over this quickly. Uh then, then spoke Ganglary. Does fire burn over beefrost? Hi said, the red you see in the rainbow is burning fire. The frost giants and mountain giants would go up into heaven if beefrost was crossable by everyone that wanted to go. There are many beautiful places in heaven and everywhere there has a divine protection round it. There stands there stands there one beautiful hall under the ash by the well. And out of this hall comes three maidens whose names are Weird Skald. These maidens shape men's lives. These maidens shape men's lives. We call them Norns. There are also Norns who visit everyone when they are born to shape their lives. And, they, and these are of divine origin, though others are of the race of elves, and a third group are the, of the race of dwarves. As it says here, so I'm pretty sure I covered this last time, so I'll be going over it quickly. A very diverse parentage, I think, the Norns are. They do not have a common ancestry. Some are descended from Aesir, some are descendants from Elves, and some are daughters of Dvalon. Then spoke Ganglary. If Norns, if Norns determine the fate of men, they allot terribly unfairly. When some have good and prosperous lives, and some have little success or glory, some a long life, some a short. I said, good Norns, ones of noble parentage, shape good lives, but as for those people that become the victim of misfortune, it is evil Norns that are responsible. Then spoke Ganglary. What other particular, particularly notable things are there to tell about the Ash? A quick going back to the Norns, I kind of like this here, he says, good Norns, ones of noble parentage shape good lives, but as for those people that become the victims of misfortune, it is evil norns that are responsible. Sort of saying, there's such a thing as bad luck. And I like that. I feel like it's honest. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes you are just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I know some people will be like, well, you could have handled it differently. Yeah, Okay. But some people just have better luck than other people. Like some people have more opportunities than other people. And that's not fair. There's always this argument like, oh, but it taught you a lesson. It's a good thing your children were murdered in front of your face. Because now you've learned how to process that grief and be a better person. No, it just sucked and it was terrible. think I like that we can admit sometimes bad things happen and sometimes there's not a reason for them other than the world is chaotic. Uh, And I mean, that doesn't mean let the bad things destroy you. Yeah, you should still overcome them and you can still overcome them. And most people do. But we can also say sometimes bad things happen and that's unfortunate. And that's sort of what this is getting at. Like the Norns are the luck in your fate and it's not the same for everybody, and that's not because there's some grand plan to test you or something. It's because, you know, there are good Norns and evil Norns. Anyway, continuing. I said, there's a great deer, deal to tell of it. There's an eagle sits in the branches of the ash, and it has knowledge of many things. And between its eyes sit, sits a hawk called Vedfralnir. A red squirrel called Rattatosk runs up and down through the ash and carries malicious messages between the eagle and needhog. Four stags run in the branches of the ash tree and feed on its foliage. The names are Dane Dvalon Dunyir Durathrar, and there are so many snakes in Hjavlmir with Needhog that no tongue can enumerate them. As it says here... <coughs> The ash yggdrasil suffers hardships more than people realize. Stag bites above, and at the side it rots. hog eats away at it below. Also, it is said, more snakes lie beneath the ash yggdrasil than any old fool thinks. Goin and moin, they are graviteer sons. Gravok and gravok, ovner and svanir. I think will forever mare the tree's twigs. All right. I'm assuming that it's going to get into more detail about the stags and Ratatosk and all of the other things that mentioned. I I will mention quickly in in case it doesn't. Ratatosk has always been interesting because he like spreads uh, what almost rumors to make the eagle and the serpent mad at each other. Um, m- maybe. The have them all will get or the edders rather, we'll get more into that later, but I just think that's interesting and just further pointing out that like there's these two opposites at the opposite ends of the tree, and the eagle I think is quote unquote good and the serpent is quote unquote evil. I mean that sort of simplifies it a little too much, but I think that's basically right. Uh, and it goes with this thing that there are always Opposing opposites in the world. Alright, we're going to go on for now. It is also said that the Norns that dwell by weird's wells take water from the well each day, and with it the mud that lies round the well, and pour it up over the ash so that its branches may not rot or decay. And this water is holy, is so holy that all things that come into the well go as white as the member called. As the membrane called the skin that lies round the inside of an eggshell. As it says here. I know an I know an ash. Its name is Yggdrasil. High tree. Holy. Drenched with white mud. From it comes the dews that fall in the valley. It stands forever green above weirds Well. So this is also kind of cool. You've got this idea that Yggdrasil, the world tree. The thing that's keeping up all of existence. Because it's, it's not just Midgard. It's also... Asgard and Vonaheim and all the other worlds is constantly rotting and constantly dying. Uh, from from the middle, you have the stags eating it, and they're not malicious in any way. They're also just you know surviving and sort of signs of nature. But just from them existing, they are eating it, which is not necessarily good for it, and then more obviously, neat, the neat hog serpent is chewing at its roots and trying to destroy it, and then just in general, it is rotting and getting old. So you've kind of got this idea that everything that is born must also die. So the, and the world tree is no exception. So the universe was created, but also, as soon as it was created, it starts dying. You know, like everybody. That's the macrocosm of what's happening to us as soon as we are born we start dying and uh, there's things that we're doing to keep it alive like the Norns are making sure that they like water it with this holy water to keep it alive for a long time but inevitably it will die there's nothing you can do to stop that the dew that falls from it on onto the earth, this is what people call honeydew. And from it, bees feed. Um, so that's sort of interesting just because bees make honey, and honey is turned into mead, which has always been associated with Bragi, obviously, but also Odin. So you've got, and and also you've got this idea that you will... Drink mead, of course, but give a portion of it back to the gods. So it is a way that you share with the gods, and it is a very popular way to commune with the gods. So you sort of have this idea that mead is ultimately created from the world tree. So it's somehow a very primal drink. Um coming coming from the world tree itself which is maybe why it's such a good thing to use for bloats and stuff like that when you try to connect to the gods. so i just kind of think that's neat uh two birds two birds feed in weirds well they are called swans and from these birds has come that species of bird that has that name okay so swans as well and that kind of makes sense because they're talking how pure and sacred, the water was, and swans are obviously pretty, but they're famous for being that like brilliant white color. Then, then spoke Inglary, Inglary. you're able to give a great deal of information about the heavens. What other chief centers are there besides the one at Weird's Well? High said, many splendid places are there. There is one place that is called Alfheim. There lives the folk called light elves, but dark elves live down in the ground, and they are unlike them in appearance and even more unlike them in nature. Light elves are faster are fairer than the sun to look at, but dark elves are blacker than pitch. One place there is called Breedlebleck, and no fairer place is there. <clears throat> okay, so it's just kind of going over some places right now, I just mentioned again, Alfheim is where the light elves live, because that's just an important thing to know. Uh, let's see, also also there is the one called Glintnir, and its walls and columns and pillars are of red gold, and its roof of silver. There also is a place called Himenbjörg. It stands at the edge of heaven at a great place called Valaskolf. This palace is Odin's. Oh, okay. That's good to know. There's a place called Hemenbjorg. Hil- okay. Oh, wait, no. And then there is... Sorry. There also is a place called Valaskolf. This place is Odin's. And I think Odin is most famous for... Valhalla, but it makes sense that a god could have more than one hall. And maybe it's worth noting that a god can have more than one hall. Just, it's good to know that. And it sort of goes along with the idea that a god can have one more than one nature. Odin is a god of many things. Because I think the gods are unique individuals. It's not just, oh, this god is a personification of rain, or wind, or war, or whatever. It's, this is a god. And they are a certain way, and they make certain decisions. One of the things they happen to be close to is, you know, those things I just said. Kind of like you as an individual, you're not the person of knowledge, even if you're smart, because knowledge doesn't entirely define you. It's just a part of you, and you might also like video games or programming or something like that. So I'm just trying to say that gods are not one-dimensional, and here's a case where they have more than one hall, again, because they're not one-dimensional. But let's go on. Da-da-da-da-da. This place is open. it's The gods built it and roofed it with pure silver, and it is there in that hall. Oh, in this hall that Hildesgoth is, the throne of that name. And when all father sits on that throne, he can see over all the world. At the southernmost end of heaven is the hall which is fairest of all and brighter than the sun, called Gimli. It shall stand when both heaven and earth have passed away. And in that place shall live good and righteous people forever and ever. Thus it says in Valsipa, I know a... Oops, I know a hall standing fairer than the sun, better than gold at Gimli. There shall virtuous men dwell, and for all ages enjoy delight. Okay, so, a little break here. I know blah blah blah. I know a hall standing fairer than the sun, better than gold at Gimli. There shall virtuous men dwell, and for all ages enjoy delight. Does that mean one of the Norse afterlives is... Uh, an eternal one where good people just like enjoy delight forever, for all ages. Does that mean like forever? I'm going to have to say no, because we know that there is a cycle with Ragnarok. The entire world tree will eventually be destroyed. And this is not the world tree. So this will be destroyed. The way that I would interpret that is... There shall, it says, there shall virtuous men dwell and for all ages enjoy delight. For all ages of the world tree. You know, there's many ages in the world tree. Famously, there's, what is it? uh, There's like the nice ages, but then you have like the axe age and the wolf age near the end of the world where everything's kind of being destroyed and falling apart. Uh, and, and Ragnarok actually ends up starting there. So those are ages. So for all of the ages that are included in the World Tree, good, virtuous people can dwell in this hall if they choose to do that. But the World Tree is still going to end. Or the world still going to end. And that hall, because it's part of the World Tree, will also end. Uh And why they worded it this way exactly is hard to say. Maybe they're like, well, obviously you're going to get that it's going to end when the world tree does. But I also wonder if Snorri was trying to make it more approachable to Christians who were in charge, and he maybe was, um, to give it the eye like, "Ah, this is heaven. That could be part of it too. But when we ask the question, do we consider this, Or is it actually an eternal heaven where good people can just live forever? I think we have to say no because it is part of and in the World Tree and we know the World Tree is destroyed in Ragnarok. So necessarily it has to end and those people would have to move on to whatever else. Which I think goes well with the Norse cosmology or mythology, whatever you want to call it. It goes along well with the Norse idea of how the universe exists that everything's in cycles there is nothing that is outside the cycle of life and arguably there shouldn't be we all live we all die we all go on and change and grow and all of that stuff nothing exists outside of time and i don't think it makes sense for this one particular hall to exist out of time and for that reason I I think it's supposed to be obvious that it doesn't. But also, if you're like uh, you're you're a witch and we're going to burn you at the stake, you could always be like, no, no, this is heaven. It's in there, you know. Uh, so there's probably some amount of influence from influence on Snorri to give like a classic heaven um, parallel in here but i don't think it's actually eternal just fyi that's what i think but hey maybe you think something different and that's totally fine too all right let's continue and we'll be wrapping up soon but i want to at least get through this part then spoke ganglary what will protect this place when cert's fire burns heaven and earth Hi, said, they say there is another heaven south of and above this heaven of ours, and that heaven is called Andlang, and that there is a third heaven st- still further above that one, and that is called Vidblane. and it isn't that heaven that we believe this place to be, but we believe it is only light elves that inhabit these places for the time being. Oh, that's interesting, only the light elves live there. Then Spokane Clary, where does the wind come from? It is so strong, it stirs great seas and whips up fire. But strong as it is, it cannot be seen. Thus, it is marvelously made. <clears throat> Alright, I actually am going to stop there. Because we seem to be leaving that, like, third heaven thing. Uh, okay, so, if not changed my mind at all I think it's interesting that only the light elves live in this heaven they were talking about maybe with the idea that after Ragnarok like the good people will move to that heaven again more parallels to like the Christian heaven that Snorri would also be very familiar and maybe trying to support and say is here because that was like the religion of the time Uh, So you could have the idea that this is super heaven where you eventually, the good people will go after Ragnarok. So Ragnarok is more of like a revelations thing and all the good people go up to like the super good heaven. But I would still say that it's not a very convincing argument like, oh, it's just really high up, so it's not going to get burned with the rest of the world in Ragnarok. But I feel like it still has to, because it also says in the Valsabot that everything's burned at the end of the world. And it also says that the entire world goes under the sea and then comes back out reborn. So if it's part of the world, at the very least, it'd have to be part of that rebirth process and come out Reborn. So again, I think this is a thing that they're putting in there to sort of maybe placate certain people, powerful people especially, who who maybe want there to be some sort of heaven in there, because that's like the current viewpoint there. But I think if you read the entire Valsipa and the entire Eddas, just the idea of everything is that uh, the entire world tree is going to be destroyed. And necessarily anything that's part of the world tree also gets destroyed. So I still don't think it's like a forever type of thing because I don't think there are for any forever type of things in Norse mythology. <clears throat> Excuse me. But again, a lot of stuff comes up like this. It comes up in philosophy too with Plato, which I just happen to be familiar with it because I took some classes about it in school. Uh, There are certain things you can't say in certain time periods. Plato, it was things like um, they had a lot of thoughts about certain things. Uh, If women count as people, for example. Unfortunately, women didn't have a lot of rights in ancient Greece. But there's a lot of Platonic dialogues, which... I have heard the argument, and I think it's convincing where they said, well, actually Plato did think that, for example, women had rights, and he says it here by saying they don't have rights, but in a way that doesn't logically make any sense, so we know that he actually means the opposite, because he's not dumb he knows this isn't doesn't make sense logically so he must be saying it to not get in trouble even though he actually means the opposite <clears throat> and if you believe that theory that people like people do stuff like that which i don't think is ridiculous but also maybe we're giving them too much credit right but if you believe that theory that people are purposely saying things that don't make sense with the understanding that we will understand they don't make sense and know that the author meant the opposite. Then you could say like, well, it says the world's going to burn entirely. It says the world's going to literally go underwater and then come back out reborn in a new earth. But this heaven which rests on top of the earth is high enough that it's just not affected at all that that doesn't really make sense in the grand scheme of things so we would be expected to know that even that heaven would be part of the rebirth process because that is just how these things work everything is destroyed and everything is reborn so you could take it that way which is kind of kind of what I do or you know you could be like no it's fine it's not weird it floats and think that that is not part of the rebirth process that it's somehow outside the rebirth process and then you could think like oh well after Ragnarok we will go up the good virtuous people will live in that heaven with the light elves I mean you could think that and then what happens in the next cycle I don't know that would be someone who believed that theory's job to answer Uh, because I think one of the things that I like about the Ragnarok story uh, the Ragnarok myth, is that it's cyclical by nature, so there's no reason to think this is the first time we've been through this cycle, or like existence itself has been through this cycle. Like, there's probably lots of world trees that are constantly being reborn. And since the old one is destroyed, you know, you will not know anything about it. Uh, and yeah, the whole like super heaven Takes away from the cyclical nature, which is why I don't really personally buy it. But again, if 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 you do, that's fine. Uh, the thing with any mythology is there's not proof. You can't prove it one way or the other. But I think it makes sense, more sense that it's cyclical, and they're just saying this so they don't get in trouble with the religion that was more dominant at the time. But you know, I could definitely be wrong. Anyway, I'm going to wrap it up there for now and we'll pick up there next time. So thank you everyone for listening. Hopefully you got something out of it. I do suggest reading the Eddas and the Havamal and the Valsapot, all of them, because there's a lot of interesting stuff in there. And I'm just bringing up these points with the hope someone will do their own thinking about it in their own time. I don't think I have all the answers and the answers I think I have are very possibly wrong. So I hope this motivates everybody to think about some of the things that I brought up and come to your own conclusions. And with that, I want to thank everyone for listening. I do want to remind you, you can check out my website at Hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. And there you can subscribe to the RSS because I release monthly and it's hard to remember to download it monthly. And also, there's a lot of times it's not out on the first of the month. It just comes out at the beginning of the month-ish. So subscribe to the RSS if you want to never miss it. And I think that's it. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great week. Hal.